started. Melissa, would you like to begin this trudge talk on prayer and med meditation with your qualification? Thanks. Sure, sure. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for uh, for taking the moderator uh, position. Um, so my name is Melissa C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and um, I love I love the topic of prayer and meditation. Um, and before I before we delve into it, we're going to do like our own little qualifications. Um, and so based, my story is perfect. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Amy and I've got this thing down, right? <laughs> it's awesome. So this is, this is me. This is um, what this disease has, has really done to me. This is what it looks like to live in the throes of a food addiction. And um, the reason I like to, I really, I always like to show my photos is because there, it is a visible demonstration of the miraculous power of God, right? Which is really our subject here today um, is prayer and meditation. And so this is me, um, you know, in the first photo, I am holding my newborn daughter. She's over 20 now. And while I was always a compulsive overeater, I thought that when I gave birth to her, that was my top weight. And I was certain, I was like 100% certain, happy husband, you know, happy marriage, newborn baby that I loved, um, for sure I was going to lose the weight, like no doubt about it in my mind. Um, and then there's me in the pink. My daughter's a little bit older and I clearly did not lose the weight. In fact, I gained more weight. Um, you know, the photo next to it, I lost a little weight. You know, the photo underneath in the red, I regained the weight. The photo in the sunglasses, I lost some weight right? The photo next to it, I was regaining the weight. This is the way that I lived my life constantly. And then if you, perfect. So here I am, I'm in the, I'm in a black dress and at a, and a function for work. Um, I was already losing weight. The sweater, the picture of me in the sweater, I really remember that as a very, very painful time in my life. Um, my son is 14 now and I longed for this baby, because I had had tremendous loss in between my daughter and my son's birth. And he was, I wanted this child more than anything. And in, in my morbid obesity, I could barely hold him because the bulk of my body, it was difficult for me to put my arms around this baby that I was longing for. And he was extraordinarily active. Like he started running at nine months and I was, I was in the throes of a disease. I could barely move. Um, and that was a very painful time. And the picture on the bottom, I'm with my sisters and my sister-in-laws and I love them. You know, they love me. I have a big, wonderful family, lots of, lots of personalities. We rub up against each other. We do things, we offend, we, you know, um, but I would spend these family occasions um, feeling huge, separate, alone, like a monster, right? That's really what I felt like. I had like a wall of fat between me and, um, and the people that loved me. And I felt very much alone and isolated. And I would spend these wonderful family occasions um, in the bathroom sometimes eating candy right? Like I had food shoved in my pocket and I had to get in the bathroom and, and shove some stuff down my throat. 
Um, the picture above in the gray dress is actually, I was actually recovered there. My body hadn't caught up yet, but I was recovered. And that is a happy, really happy occasion. Um, I, we were making a beautiful bas mitzvah for my daughter and paid an arm and a leg for this very elaborate affair, you know, complete like happy hour, cocktail hour, food, like there was a room for dessert, an entire room for dessert. And I didn't care. And I was paying for all of it. And I didn't care. I ate my small, happy, abstinent portion. And I felt connected to the people in my, in, in my life and in that room, which was just awesome. Um, and then there's me with my kids below a little bit, you know, you could see I'm losing weight. I was on my way to being recovered and there's me now, right. In the last like number of years, um, you know, hair has changed a little bit, got a little older. <laughs> um, but every one of those dresses still fits me. And I like, that's how I love to end this. Every one of those dresses and outfits fit me. And I know that without even trying them on. They're in my closet, they fit. And, um, and so that's why I like to share these photos. So, okay, so that's my, my photo spiel. And Kara, I totally forgot to tie myself so you will get the hook. <laughs> I five left. Okay, so, you know, the, the topic specifically of prayer and meditation and, and my qualification, um, I had no God when I lived in that body, or actually I did. It was located in the refrigerator. That's where my God was. I was constantly looking for that which could soothe me inside the refrigerator. And it was, and it was less than satisfying. It always required more and it never filled me up. Um, the other thing that I worshiped in my disease of compulsive overeating, um, I did at one point, worship the God of abstinence. Abstinence was God. It was like what I wanted to achieve as my life goal. And a food plan was the religion I practiced to get to this God, right? And that's very different from my experience of, of my relationship I have with God now. Um, when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I, again, right, because I had been one of those in and out kind of people, but the last time, hopefully the last time and forever time that I came, I was done. I didn't care about a single food anymore. It was like, you could have told me to eat like paper and I would have done it because I just, I couldn't stand, all the fight was out of me. And, and I look back now and I say, what a gift that was. Because sometimes we run into people who are not done with the fight and they don't even know it. They're consistently negotiating. And I remember being like that too. And there was a beautiful thing when you reach a point where I had but two alternatives. It was like, I was gonna have to eat myself to oblivion, right? To blot out the intolerable situation of eating to oblivion. How's that? That was my intolerable situation. And the thing that I tried to stop it with was more eating to oblivion, you know, to oblivion. And, and then, or to accept spiritual help. And which I did, right? Because the fight was out of me. The fight was out of me. And, you know, so since that time, I've released over 160 pounds. 
Um, I have a really beautiful, clean, boring, excellent food plan. It is just, it is nutrition. It's not my God. I don't look to the refrigerator to fill me. I have meaning and purpose today. Um, I can wrap my arms around every family member. Um, and, and the beautiful thing is like, so this morning I had a, a family meeting um, and we were discussing my mom and her future. My siblings and I got together on a Zoom call to discuss my mom's future because it looks like she's entering this next phase of her life. And boy, do I need God for that. Boy, do I need a power greater than myself. Um, and I can say the wonderful thing about living in recovery is that, first of all, I was present for that conversation. I didn't have to hide in the bathroom with candy. And, um, and I was as positive and honest, and I messed up. <laughs> in the middle of that conversation, I made a snarky comment about someone who wasn't at that conversation. And in, on the spot, I cleaned it up as best I could. I made a sincere apology. Um, and, I, and that is the way that I live my life today. You know, my, my relationship with my family is directly related to the relationship I have now with God. And what was required was I needed to have a minimal relationship with food. Food had to be down so that I could be clear to receive a relationship with God. And, um, and today, you know, I, I came from a place where I didn't believe. I, I didn't believe. I felt I had been screwed over, that I was cheated and I was wronged. And I couldn't imagine that there was a power there that loved me, that wanted anything better for me. And, and my brain has been rewired. I do not feel that way anymore. I feel like I had a set of experiences. Some were really painful and some were really beautiful. And through it all, I've had a power. I just didn't know it. I had a God right there with me who consistently gave me everything I needed to bring me to this spot, right? Because I survived. I'm here. So whatever it was, clearly it was it was what I needed. And um, thanks. With that, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much, Melissa. That was wonderful. And now we go over to Jen A. in Colorado. Jen, thank you so much for being here today in your service. Uh, Kira, you're on time. Jen, thank you so much. I see you, Kira. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Melissa. And if you guys know, I call her Sister C because she is my sister. And the very first time that we met face-to-face -face, um, in Newark, New Jersey, she had on these apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. And, um, you know, she comes bopping down the stairs and I was like, there she is. Oh my gosh. I'm actually talking to her for the first time and seeing her and hugging her in person. And it was like, it was like, I already knew her and you'll get to hear probably more of our stories through this faith walk and this faith journey that we're both taking. But, you know, we both had the loss of a child. Um, and in life, um, we both have kids that are the exact same age, except for their gender switched, you know, like boy, girl to boy, the girl, boy, however that works. But anyway, so I just, I think it's just amazing how God puts us all together with the right people at the right time to do this walk with. 
Um, so my name is Jenna. I am a recovered compulsive overeater um, in Overeaters Anonymous. I am certainly not cured. I don't say recovered to be better than anybody in the room, but just to tell you that um, the obsession has been lifted in many ways. And like someone mentioned today, I've been on the phone to in service since 4.50 this morning, Colorado time, and um, had the privilege and honor of just sharing that this solution, this spiritual way of life will remove the obsession. And I, I'm just going to tell you when I came in, I didn't know that little secret. So you're getting kind of like an extra plug um, for coming today um, and hearing that. Um, but I'll just, I'll just briefly uh, share and qualify with you. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll show you my picture here. And um, my highest weight in life was 220 pounds. That's the girl you see on the left. Yes, I was smiling. I was still a very kind girl. I was, uh, I tried to be the life of the party. You know, uh, you walk in and you have to be over the top because you are over, uh, you are, I'm, I was oversized basically. And um, that's how I live life. I, I, I got into everything. Um, I tried to be a part of everything, um, but I never felt a part of. Um, and I never felt worthy. I never felt good. And I never felt right. Um, and the girl that you see on the right hand side, that's me when I came into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, as you can see, my cheeks are sunken in, um, my clavicle, my, like my throat is there, like everything's sticking out on me. Um, my eyes are sunken in deep and dark. And yes, I can be smiling for a picture, but um, the girl on the inside was utterly dying. And in that picture, like my hair had been falling out. I had to keep getting it cut shorter and shorter because with the anorexia, the bulimia, the exercise bulimia that I had turned towards, cause I thought that was going to save my life. Um, you know, I, I was losing that too. Um, I'm thankful that the four teeth in the front are my own, <laughs> the rest. Well, you can talk to my dentist about my dental records. He can tell you, um, but let's just say I have perfect dental hygiene in my entire family. I'm the only one that spent so much time in the dentist chair. And I have to just say that's because of everything I've ever chewed on, sucked on and eaten in this program. So God bless the dentist. Um, but I know I'm really well. Um, so then you know, um, I think it's ironic. I look at that today and I go, oh, I'm wearing this little um, necklace and it's a triangle. And little did I know that that triangle and this program of Overeaters Anonymous and AA was going to save my life, the big book. But um, the next picture is definitely my favorite in the middle. That's the first time I ever spoke. I was scared to death to get up um, at what I called the pulpit because I grew up in the church. Um, but the podium is what we call it in this program. And I was uh, asked to lead a, a New Year's Day luncheon in Colorado. And somebody took that picture. But my favorite part of the picture is the cross in the back. And I'm a, I'm a huge believer in God. You'll hear me say, God, 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 God. I don't apologize for God. That's just what I say for higher power, spirit of the universe. But that was who was standing behind me. And that's who always has my back. And so um, I just, I love that. Yeah. And that's just, that's what I call a God shot um, for sure. Uh, so I did pretty much everything you can think of with food. I ate like you ate. I drank like you drank. I even tried to drink myself to death um, and maybe go to AA before OA. Cause I thought maybe AA was a little bit sexier, right? Than Overeaters Anonymous. Um, but that's not the case for me. Um, you know, and, and like you saw in the pictures, um, 
I thought that maybe if I just looked good enough on the outside, that I would feel good enough on the inside. And there's the OA preamble. And it talks about, you know, um, even the skinniest girl in the room isn't the most recovered. But I sat in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous for many months thinking that I was recovered, accepting those shiny little coins. They were all different colors. They're absolutely beautiful. I still have them. And um, they're just a reminder to me that a coin doesn't make me abstinent and it's not going to get me free. Um, I listened to all the slogans that were being said. Um, I attended meetings. I thought that was going to save me too, um, but it didn't. Um, when I was truly dying, um, done, and desperate was when um, I could become transformed. And little did I know that I was going to have a spiritual transformation. I'm so glad that we're talking about that today um, because I just want to, I want to qualify a little bit on my spiritual background since we are um, doing a prayer meditation today. Um, you see, I grew up in a household, uh, a Catholic household. Um, I was a CEO. Have you ever heard of one of those Christmas and Easter onlys? And my mom was, um, she was going to be a nun. That's what we joke about because my mom and dad got married and my mom always said, oh, your father whisked me away. I was going to go to the nunnery. And we were like, okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, we just laughed, but my mom would always make us go. I can read the missalette from front to back. I know the rosary. I know the stations of the cross, um, you know, Jesus up on the crucifix. Like I know it all in the Catholic church, right? My mom played the organ and we had to go every Sunday. Um, I went to catechism class and CCD and I never got confirmed or did other things because people were dying in my family and for some reason it never worked out. But the reality was, is that's who I was. And that continued throughout my lifetime. Um, I went into the Baptist church and became a holy roller, uh, married into a Baptist family, served in ministry um, for 14 years of my marriage. I ran the women's mops program, mothers of preschoolers. Um, you know, I served on women's ministry and helped them do everything, ran Bible studies, kids, uh, church fellowship. My kids were singing Jesus loves me and all the holy roller songs on the bus, which was my minivan as my kids were growing up. And that's just how I raised my kids was in God, surrounded by God, loved by God. But where was God? Hmm. Well, God for me was in a bunch of pages in a journal and a book that I prayed and meditated in every single morning. This is what's interesting. I wrote down a list and I used God as my bitch. And please excuse me if that offends you, but that's how I used God. Um, and I thought that whatever I asked God for, God was going to give me plus more, right? And that's just how I, 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 I just operated out of that place. And I was going to go out and pull all my journals out. I swear to God, I have like tons of them. Like, God, give me this. God, give me that. My marriage is failing. Change this person. Change, do that. And that's how I ordered God around. I said, gimme, gimme, gimme. And, um, you know, by the time I got to Overage Anonymous, my, mar my marriage had failed. 350 people that I sent out Christmas cards to in the church were no longer um, talking to me. Um, you know, I just, I was distraught. Thanks, Kara. And so what I'll tell you is, is that um, the desperation of the food, this disease, my compulsive overeating, the anorexia, the bulimia, the pills, the potions, everything I take and every, everything that I took um, got me here, got me to where, got me to the hand of God. Um, and it was, you know, by jumping on that lifeboat and, um, you know, that Navy medic, he saved my life and helped me paddle to the shore of freedom to find God. And today um, I say rooted in God, rooted, roots are deep, right? Rooted deep, 
relating, raising up and reproducing what? Reproducing whatever God would have me be. And so um, I'm just excited to share, um, you know, how the practical program of action, right? These precise words and this big blue book, these prayers and these promises have transformed my life and the way that I live today and the way that I, the way that I show up. Um, so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jen. Thanks, Jen and Melissa, both of you for your qualifications, um, especially how you related them to the topic of today's talk, prayer and meditation. So let's jump into it. The obvious piece on prayer and meditation is step 11, right? Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God asking only for knowledge of God's will for us and power to carry that out. Could the two of you expand on how you um, came to understand prayer and meditation and how you seek to improve that practice? Whoever wants to grab first, go ahead. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um, you know, so, okay. I'm here, right? Because I lack power because I don't have power. And, you know, step one says like only an act of providence, right? Only a miracle. That's the only chance that I have, um, you know, because I can't, live with the food because I have an allergy to it and I can't live without it because I have a mental twist, right? And therefore like I require a miracle, um, you know? And so really for me, it starts, it really started with step two. Like we're, we're on step 11, but this is really a step two beginning because step one tells me I need something. You're in trouble and you need something. And so step two says, okay, well, do you come to believe it? Do you come to believe that there's something? And, um, you know, I didn't understand that power when I started. And in fact, like, like Jen said, yeah, I gave God my laundry list. I gave God my list. And then I said, see, there is no God because he's not given me these things. Or what I really said, especially in the depths of like my pain, I said, okay, there is a God, but he hates me. God hates me, you know, because if he didn't hate me, then why would, why would he let these things happen to me? And, you know, step two is really where it started. It, it said, okay, you don't understand this power and you don't have to define it, but you're going to have to seek it. I was like, wait, what? I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have a definition for it, but I have to start seeking and looking. And that's really where it started. It started for me with an honest, with an honest prayer, which is, um, I, I say like, say it like it is. God, I don't believe in you. I didn't believe in God. I don't believe in you and you're a hoax. This is a hoax and this is a scam. And I don't believe in you. And but I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> How's that? So here I was, I was talking to this thing, by the way, I was telling it, I didn't believe in it, but I'm talking to it. I'm telling it I'm in trouble, right? And then, I, okay, then I'll do, and I'll start seeking. And that humble, like, 
that complete laying yourself out before something was really where it started. It was, um, you know, it was prayers. How did I start praying and meditating really was I picked up the book and I did what it tells you what to do. It even says like very clear, there are sources you can go. There's, there's meditations in, in OA and AA. There's, there's the book, there's prayers all over the place. Um, you know, I got this push inside. Once I started doing that, I got this push inside that it's okay. You don't have to name it. You don't have to define it. You could still seek that which you can't define. And that, that's like, that was the humility that I really needed that this person, you know, because there was a part and I usually share this, that, um, I understood the powerlessness and I, and I, and I'm a smart girl, right? So they told me my brain is broken, right? They said, okay, there's something wrong with your thinking. Your body is sick and so is your mind. Okay, great, I got it. And now, now I was directed, okay, but you can create your own conception. And I'm such a smart ass that I said, wait, so you want me to use this mind you just told me is broken to create something else? Like what hypocrisy, what a scam, what a joke. And here's how beautiful God is for me, right? Because I say like, this power can speak to us in the language that each of us is best able to hear. Jen says it was like, you know, for her, she sees the cross. I have other symbols that that bring up something. But for me in that earliest moment, I didn't feel a connection to a symbol. What I did have was a longing for my dad who had passed and I missed my father terribly. Um, I had a wonderful father. And in that moment where I said, what do you want me to use my broken brain to think something up? I heard my father's voice somewhere in my brain. And that was God communicating to me in the language that he knew would get through. And what I heard was, don't be so smart. You don't know everything. You want to get better or not. And and I knew it wasn't God and I knew it wasn't my dad, but it was enough. Yeah, I wanted to get better. That's really where it starts. And, and so prayer and meditation just starts with humility, with complete laying yourself out there, with, with seeking that which you don't understand. Why? Because you need it, right? Um, yeah, so I'm gonna pass to Jen now, let Jen. Uh... Thanks, Alyssa. Um, so prayer meditation, when I first came into program and a circle back where it started for me was, um, like I said, I had been in the church, I had prayed, I'd sang every hymnal song and I had sang every praise and worship song. And, um, I was just kind of done. I was done with that God, that religion, whatever that was. And so, um, when I came in and you guys gave me this really simple prayer that's that talked about serenity. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I latched onto that sucker. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do this. This is the prayer I can pray. This is, that's what my sponsor gave me. And then my sponsor also gave me another prayer and it's written inside of my, my first big book. It's called the set aside prayer. 
right? And he said, every time when you get into a meeting, I want you to open that up. I want you to look down it. I want you to pray it and close your eyes. And that's what I want you to do before every meeting starts. And it says, you know, God help me set aside everything I think I know in the in this meeting with these people, with sponsorship in the big book for a whole new experience with you. Boom and done. So those are the two prayers I prayed. And I prayed those at step one and two. And, and I had kind of, I've taken step one and two in the alleyway where I had binged my brains out for the last time. I knew that I couldn't do it anymore. I was powerless. Life was unmanageable. And I knew that there was something bigger than me that could, could restore me to sanity because I saw it in the man who sat across from me, who had the serenity, the peace, who was like always blissed out at meetings. And I didn't even get how he could be so blissful, right? He was like a 69-year-old guy sitting in a meeting of 65 bitchy women. And most of them were still eating. Right. And how could he be serene? I never understood that, but he was right. And then he could work with me. I was, I was a trip when I came in. Thank God, you know, me today. (laughs) If you want, if you want to, if you want a rendition of what it used to be like, I can go knock on my son's door downstairs. He'd be happy to come up and tell you. Um, But taking steps one and two, right? And saying that serenity prayer. And then the big change for me, like Melissa said too, the big change for me came at three, right? Because, okay, I have come to believe in something that's going to restore me to sanity. I don't know what it is. I don't have to label it. I thought you all were crazy when you told me that I could call God whatever, because like, that's blasphemy how I grew up. You heard like God is God. Divinity is divine. Like you don't label it as anything else. In fact, I used to try and write HP and it made me cringe when I first came in the program, but I did it to try and fit in with everybody. Right. And eventually just, it just went back to God. And um, in step three, I like had to make what a decision to turn my will and my life over to a power greater than myself. Right. And, and, and this, this, this power is going to restore me to sanity. And I'm like, okay. And I get to give this away. Right. I get to my favorite thing that I always say is like the girl in the movie and Pocahontas. And if you haven't seen it, you can just gift it. You can find it on Disney or whatever. And she's so beautiful. And she has her toes on the edge of a cliff. And she just stands there and she launches out and her arms go and she does this like archway. And I'm like, where the hell is she going? What's going to catch her? What's down below of her? That's what it was like for me. I had to abandon myself to God and then just keep abandoning myself every single day over and over and over again. And that's why I thought you guys were all crazy. I was like, I'm doing step three on a daily basis. Cause the first time I took step three, the first few months I was in OA, I remember doing it at the Starbucks with my sponsor, like a little good girl with my hands crossed and my eyes closed. And I was scared to death because everybody at Starbucks is watching me. Right. But when I really, really took step three and launched and just said, okay, God, I'm yours and launched right off that cliff. That's that was the game changer for me. And it's the game changer for me every single morning. So step one is one, right? So that's where my prayer and meditation started for me. And then step 11 is two ones together. So it's God's perfect, the two, me and God together. That's where I commune with God is in step 11 today. Um, and, and, and step 11 looks a lot different. And I'm sure we're going to get onto that. But I, I think that's all I have for now. Thanks, Amy. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jen. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to hear about all of it from you. I know. I mean, Melissa mentioned step two, and there's the piece in uh, We Agnostics on fifty five where it says that um, here uh, we found the great reality deep down. 
within us. And you've this two of you have spoken about that. And I would just love to hear you speak more in, in terms of how the God idea um, is part of the reality deep down within us. Yeah, I'll go. Um, this is great. Deep down within me. Um, I didn't know what was deep down within me because on top of what was deep down and in me, which was the spirit, the love, divinity, God was the fear was the resentment and then was the food. Right. And in order to be a clear channel and a vessel that I know today for God, in order to stay clear, like I had to get rid of all of that. And I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do that. I know that I could put down the food. Okay. So the food's no longer blocking me. Right. I put down the food and I embarked on this journey. Um, and how was I going to do that? I was going to uncover, discover, and discard all the things that I knew about myself through steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And that was that process of eliminating, right? And that's that ego deflation process of getting rid of self and seeing, you know, where am I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, fearful, and really looking at myself. I had never, ever looked at myself. I was too busy looking at you. I was too busy pointing fingers at everybody else. And then when I didn't get what I wanted, I was singing the somebody done me wrong song. That's what I was doing. And so that's, 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 that's for me, that's what this was. And it was a time process. I mean, my sponsor was so gentle and so patient and so loving with me every single Saturday, sitting across from me at Panera Bread. And, and he would just say, okay, one resentment. And we would just go through them one at a time. I'm not here to tell you I did, my four step looked beautiful because by the time I got to my sponsor, we were just doing the columns. I was doing resentment inventories left and right. Um, and, and, and he was just taking me through them one at a time because it was so intense for me. I couldn't possibly sit there and do all of four and then give away all of five again, what I had already done to my other sponsor. Um, and, and so my, the, 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 the process for me was a little bit different. Um, but when I wrote all those things out and kept giving them away, I kept getting lighter, right? And something inside of me began, it began to like, um, I don't know. I won't say emerge, but it just felt like the, the load was lighter and I felt almost like brighter, I guess is the word. Like things, things weren't so heavy on me. Things didn't weigh so hard. Like all of a sudden I'm, I'm starting to like be able to skip, skip. And, and it, it didn't feel like it was so drudgery and, and terrible. I don't know. So that was part of the, the process for me. Um, and I, I was never really one of those people who didn't believe in God. I knew that God was there somewhere. I just didn't, and I, it wasn't like I had to find God. I didn't have to write a one ad for God. I knew that God was there. I just had to get me out of the way. So in, in the process of getting me out of the way and deflating my ego is when I really truly feel like God started to like surface from me. And I began to think differently and talk differently and act differently. And I would say to people, do you think that person's changed? I think my coworker is different. And they said, possibly Jen, that's, that's, that's just you. I don't think that's anybody else, but you. And that's how that transformational process of God starting to come up from the inside out um, began for me, Melissa. Yeah. So I definitely, I want to read that paragraph because um, I just love that. We finally saw that 
faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. And I just, that to me is like, okay, so this thing, you know, like I used to go to Hebrew school and my joke was with Hebrew school, um, I stole money from my dad's he had jars of quarters, which by the way, were silver quarters and I never knew it, but I would take handfuls of it so I could buy cigarettes and candy at the corner store instead of going into Hebrew school. That was my experience with religious school. So I didn't know that there really was a God within me, but this thing, but I did know what friendships were. I mean, I've had friends along the way and I knew the feeling you'd get with a friend that you wanted to have, right? And the thought that the feeling that a faith of God could be just as much as a feeling that we have for a friend. It was so accessible. Like, I love that. That's a very, that's not way out there. That's like real, like, you know, basic, right? Sometimes we have, but we had to search fearlessly, but he was there as much as a fact as we were. So I knew like, here I am. Well, then he's got to be here too, right? This friend within. And we found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It was so with us. You know, and so I, I could, even in the moments of my utter desperation, when I sat quiet, there was this voice, this quiet, it was so quiet because I'd shut it up with a lot of food and a lot of anger and a lot of sad and a lot of jealous, like all those bedevilments, all those defects that Jen, that you referred, right? But I still could hear it was there somewhere. It was just so quiet. It was so, so quiet. Um, and then, you know, I love that it says that, <sighs> if you sweep away prejudice, any judgment that I had about God, any judgment I had about anything, how's that? Any judgment I have about anything, about any religion, my own or any other, right? Any judgment I have about anything, I can push that aside a little bit and think honestly, like really get honest, search diligently. Like, so that told me like, there's gonna be real work here. There's work here. If you're searching diligently, you know, within yourself, then you can join us on this broad highway. And those kind of, that kind of language, I've always had this like hippie spirit inside. I love the idea of this broad highway, this idea of um, that it's so, that it's open to everybody. I love the inclusive language, you know, which I didn't know because I was so prejudiced. <laughs> against the big book. I was like, eh, this is a book for Christian men who drank. This has nothing to do with me. And, and, and then when you read it with an open mind, with honesty, it's like, when did all this like hippie crunchy language, new agey crap get in here? <laughs> right? I thought, where, how is that here? But it's there. There's language that's accessible for everybody. It was just my prejudice that I, you know, didn't see what I didn't see until I needed to see it, you know? And so this God idea, it's, it was inside me all along. It was what actually makes me human, you know? And, and 
the feeling for a friend, so natural, uncomplicated, you know, and not necessarily logical. Like who knows why we like who we like, but it's just right. That's the, we just get this feeling and, you know, so I have to have an open mind. I have to be willing. And then the promise is that the consciousness of your belief is sure to come to you. And so like, I love, you know, I love like looking up words and thinking about definitions and consciousness is like the state of being awake and aware of your surroundings. So we're not told that we're going to have it in step two, but we're promised you're going to get it. It's going to come. And, and then it's the awareness or the perception of something and aware of the existence of something. And so what that really meant for me in step two is that we're promised that the day is going to come when we wake up and we just know God exists. And, you know, and that's been the truth for every single person who's gotten well in this program. And the funny thing is we all just somewhere along the line, some people it happens just like that. And, but many of us, it happens in increments and steps, right. In like measured steps. And, and that's been my experience that all of us like suddenly in measured increments, I just knew that there was a God, that it was there um, and I wasn't alone and it was right in here. It wasn't in the refrigerator. It wasn't at the candy store. It wasn't in the bathroom when I was eating, right? It, it was like right here with me. Um, and that is just the most comforting. Like to me, there is nothing more comforting than that feeling because it means that I can, I can, survive like like we have right horrible losses loss of a child horrendous i've been through other experiences horrendous like we don't get a free pass but this this god is still here it never leaves me alone you know it's that and that just brings me tremendous comfort more comfort than the food ever ever could thanks Thank you. Thank you both. And I, before we turn to the specific instructions that our book gives us regarding prayer and meditation, I, 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 both of you spoke about in a quick committed willingness to make other things a higher power to worship or idolize, be it the food or a goal weight or a body size or other people's opinions, or we are so, I'll speak for the two of you who spoke in myself, so quick to both feet in idolize. It seems almost everything else. Why do you think the reservation, the hesitation, the, the, the fierce attachment to old ideas that, that doesn't let us have that same abandoned worship. Do you think that, I mean, does it have anything to do with our distinct entity condition or is it just, I, I just, I would, I, that came out for me. I'd love to hear you both speak on that. Thank you. I think I'm going first. <laughs> We're good at this tag team it. Um, I'm just going to say this, that like 
everything that had ever happened in my life as a result of, I, I placed blame on God. Um, everything for me was transactional. Um, it was a negotiation. Um, so if God hadn't done for me all the things up until age 40, what, 45, when I came into this program, what the hell was he going to do for me now? Right. But the reality was for me at that time in that place, um, in that moment, um, nothing else was working with the food. I was done. I had eaten every last bite. I had tossed every wrapper. I had been to every gym. I had stuck myself with needles. I had taken every pill, every potion. Um, I bounced from clinic to clinic. I was 120 pounds and I wasn't thin enough, good enough, right enough, pretty enough, any enough. And so there was no other choice but to believe. There was no other choice to say, I don't know, like, okay. And I really say this, and I this is why I tell people, do not leave the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous because it was the belief and the faith and the hope that I saw in other people. And there weren't a whole lot of people in my face-to-face meetings. I didn't have this. I didn't have a vision for you. I didn't have anything. I had a man who sat across from me, one human being that showed me the hope and the faith and the love and the trust of what he called higher power. He doesn't even say God. He still doesn't say God, right? And that's what I saw. That's what I needed. And so I said, okay, like I'm screwed. I'm screwed if I don't believe in something bigger than myself. Like if I don't just abandon, um, but up until that point, like nothing had worked for me. So why not just try something new? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that desperation is the, you know, it's, it's what makes us come to believe what makes us finally put away the other gods was how ineffective they were and how, um, you know, at the end, like I, I've said, okay, so I've struggled with weight my whole life. I've, I've had issues controlling and managing my weight all my life and the food all my life and being for me, if I could only be thin, if I could only be thin, everything would have been great. And I could never achieve it for long. Like I would get it for a second and I couldn't hang on to it. Um, so how great was it? Like it wasn't a God that sustained me, even even a thin body when it's when it happened briefly, I couldn't hang on to it. And, you know, the most incredible thing that happened that really made me willing to believe, to lay aside the God of diets, the God of food plant, the God of anything else, but this program really, which introduced me to God. Overeaters Anonymous introduced me to God. If I did not, I, I don't believe that I would have a relationship with God today, if not for this crushing, debilitating disease. Um, and that actually turned out to be an incredible gift right? To have this crushing, debilitating disease because it introduced me to a power that has sustained me through real hardships, not just the hardship of over, of being morbidly obese, right? I had harder things that were coming my way. I just didn't know it back then. But what happened was 
I reached a point, I've always prided myself on my thinking. I've been a smart girl. I could, I could see things. Um, I'm, I'm sharp, right? That was like my, I got good grades. I can talk, I can write. Okay, awesome. At the end of my disease, at the end of the crushing blow, I couldn't think. And I, and I was, I couldn't think. Like, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not thinking clear. I couldn't get a grip of what was in front of me. I was having horrendous panic attacks, like horrible panic attacks. And, and I drove, when I was in my early 20s, I drove cross country alone by myself, no cell phone back then, because there were no cell phones back then. Um, so I never, I wasn't like, I didn't lack confidence or bravery. I felt very confident, loved driving. I felt really great. At the end of my disease, I could barely drive to work because I was a trembling, nervous wreck. And, and that, and I, and, and I was trying to eat that quiet. I was trying to like shut and I couldn't get to zero. I couldn't get the, the panicky feeling to stop. And I was eating more and more and more in an attempt to get it to stop. And my last binge, I ate till my mouth bled. And, and I knew that this was insane. I didn't like how it tasted. I didn't like how it felt because it hurt. And, and, I, and I had blood in my mouth. And and I was like, what the, what the hell is happening to me? I've lost my mind. I've lost my mind. And, and I, yeah, I cried out, God help me, like help me, I need help. And, you know, not long, not long after help came. I mean, that's the crazy thing. I walked into a, a Lowe's, <laughs> my husband wanted to remodel the bathroom. And we walked into Lowe's and I saw a woman that I had known from Overeaters Anonymous um, who was always talking God. She actually used to scare me because she was a religious freak in my mind, right? And I steered clear of religious freaks. And, you know, that's what I saw her as. Um, and there she was in Lowe's that day. And I, all I can say is, you know, normally when I've been eating, I would have ducked down another aisle. I was really good at ducking down other aisles to not see people. And my feet walked my body over to her. That's really what happened. And out of my mouth came, I need help. Can you help me? Right? I mean, God met me in Lowe's. God finds us in the most incredible places. So what made me put away the other gods? They didn't work. The God of my intelligence didn't work. The God of diets didn't work. The God of reason, and none of it worked. Um, but this, this does work. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, so on page 85 of the big book, near the bottom of the page, it says, if we have carefully followed directions, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. To some extent, we have become, to some extent, we have become God conscious, but uh, we have begun to develop this vital sixth sense, but we must go further. And that means more action. And that paragraph precedes the instructions for step 11, 
could the two of you take us through these directions according to the big book? Thank you. So improve, right? That's the big one I take away from step and improve. Um, and if I'm not doing step 10, if I'm not continuing to take personal inventory and when these things crop up, dealing with them, 11 doesn't do me much good either. Um, and that's what I just want to touch about is like, I have to continue to take personal inventory and when I'm wrong, promptly admit it throughout the day. Because if I wait until bedtime, until nighttime, oh boy, let me just tell you, I, I think the first like month I was like, quote unquote, recovered, you know, I'd gone through step 12. I was doing step 10s with my sponsor and I was doing five of them every single night. Like it was just ridiculous because I wasn't watching throughout the day. So I just need to remember to continue to take personal inventory throughout the day um, because then I get to the step 11 and it's gonna teach me how to improve that conscious contact. Remember, I already started at one praying. Right. And I can meditate at one, too. That's what I was told. Get quiet, sit quiet, because you're the loudest girl in the room and you're the most wiggly jiggly. So my sponsor says, sit still just for five minutes. Can you try it? Okay. So I tried it. So by the time I get to 11, right, I'm improving this conscious contact with my creator. Like I, but by the time I was at 11, I knew God. I, I felt like, okay, like things are happening to me. Like I'm seeing that God is helping me take this vessel and clear this vessel out on a, on a day by day, minute by minute, inventory by inventory basis. Every time I do a 10 step, I was believing, right? Because I was praying what comes at the end of the 10 step prayer, um, or at, at the end of a 10 step for me, it's the seven step prayer. I'm asking God to remove the defect of character that's standing in the way of my usefulness to, to you and my fellows. Again, I'm praying again. I'm always praying. So um, I guess I'll start, Melissa, with uh, I'll go start with nighttime because um, it does say with nighttime and my big book instructor always said the reason it starts the night is because you've been doing 10 throughout the entire day. Duh, that's what he says, right? Um, and so basically, if I'm going to do my nightly review, if you look at the paragraph on page 86 that starts with when, there are 10 questions that it asked me right then and there. So I have all 10 bullet pointed. And basically, um, I can look at question number one, was I resentful? If I was resentful, I better have done a step 10 throughout the day because that precedes the step before it. So, right, I'm continuing to take personal inventory. Was I resentful? Well, guess what? Questions one, two, three, four, and five are all about a 10th step. So if I'm keeping, if I'm keeping my vessel clean throughout the day and I'm, you know, doing the things I need to do and taking action, then I was resentful. I'll see where I was selfish, where I was dishonest, where I was afraid. And if I owe an apology, Whew. that's five. So if I've already done a 10 step, by the time I get to my bed, I'm like, well, sweet. What do I have left to do? Five more. Here we go, God. And this is my nighttime um, review with God, right? Um, a 10, 10 step keeps me clean during the day. And at night, it's just like, okay, I wake up with God. I go to bed with God one and one, right? Like here I am. Um, so I look at that and I say, have I kept something to myself, which should be discussed to another person at once again, step 10. If I'm doing a step 10 throughout the day, I've already discussed it with somebody. Was I kind and loving towards all? Well, if I did one through uh, six, probably I wasn't kind and loving towards everyone. I've probably pissed somebody off or treated somebody bad, or, you know, at least assassinated them in my head. Um, and then what could I have done better? 
you know, I always have to remind myself in this place because I came in here hating myself and not um, talking bad about myself, feeling bad about myself. So I have to say, what is the one thing, Jennifer, that you've done that was great today? I helped a coworker figure out her Zoom account. It was the one thing that I did. It made a difference for my coworker. That's what I, that's what I, I did. You know, what could I have done better? Mm, you know, I probably could have helped the girl, this other girl and that other girl and whoever can't help everybody, but I'm not going to beat myself up. So what have I done better? And was I thinking of myself most of the time? You know, I'm just going to say when I walk in the doors at work, I walk through the threshold of that door with the courage and I ask God to help me direct my thoughts and my attentions to the people around me so that I can be of service to them and to him to love God, to serve God, to love God or to love, serve God, to love others. That's what I need to do. Um, so that's what I continue to do. I'm not trying to think about me, but when I do, I know that I'm doing it today. I go, oop, that's self-pity. Oops, turn your thoughts, pick up the phone, go and help somebody, walk out into the lobby, talk to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, trust me, there's tons of people where I work. I'm always finding someone I can turn my attention to and um, I can stop thinking about myself on a dime. Um, what we can do for others and pack into the stream of life. I always love this. Like what's Bill trying to say here? Pack into the stream of life, right? Like I always think like I'm a fisherman. I'm always fishing for something, right? I'm a hustler. I'm a mover. I'm a shaker. Watch out because I'm going to get what I want. Today, a lot different. I am thinking, what can I give? What can I do for you? How can I be of service? That's what I'm doing all the time. I love working with others, especially that when I'm working with the sponsee and I get off the call and at the end, they go, is there anything else I can do to be of service to you on? How can I serve you today? You know, that's one of my, that's one of my biggest things. And I started doing it in sponsorship. Now I do it in all my affairs with my kids before I go to retire at night. How can I be of service to you? And then, um, this is, this is the most important part. And if you do the app, like I did for an entire 12 months, I missed this because it's on the last screen and I just hit send. It's in, it's in yellow in my big book because it's cautionary. I must be careful not to drift into worry, remorse, morbid reflection, for that's going to diminish my usefulness to others. I came here beating myself up and telling, and just saying I was such a rotten, icky, horrible person right? Today, I cannot go to bed and retire at night thinking, oh, well, you should have done this better and you could have done that better. And no, that's not it. That's why God says, after I make my review, I ask for his forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. That's where I have to switch. That's where I have to change. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. My big book, it, it's, it stays in my office right here because I use it every morning when I get on the call to listen to the meeting. I know these things by heart. I know this stuff in my heart. I've read it and I've been doing it for four years consistently. This is ingrained in my brain, but it's written on my heart. And I can do this at night. I don't have to pull it out. I don't have to write it down. I don't have to call someone. This is me and God. This is where I get to this sacred and holy and divine space with, with my creator when I'm in step 11. And at nighttime, I just love it because I just know that I've emptied my head out. My heart is full of, of gratitude and, and just, I'm just so grateful today that I can literally close my eyes and I am asleep in seconds. 
there's nothing keeps me up at night. I sleep through the night. I could say something later, knock on wood, help me God. If you know, I can't sleep later in my life, but for now, um, that's what I do. I just do that nightly review and I'll turn it over. Thank you. Yeah. I'm laughing thinking I too sleep like a baby. I do. I go to sleep. Um, like I just, my husband jokes, he's like, are you really asleep? Like I get in bed and I'm done. It's like, I've just been unplugged. <laughs> and I think it's because I go to bed clean, right? I'm clean. Um, you know, the night, that nightly review, um, I love that you said like, it's not meant to, to beat myself up. It's not meant to like, because yeah, I lived in two ways, like um, absolute, like denial and self-promotion. So I, there's nothing wrong with me and, and promoting myself. Look how great I am. 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 And inside I felt like crap, right? Or it was, I'm the worst thing in the world. Don't even look at me. Like I can't even make eye contact. And this is so very different from that. This is like, this is like, no, like, don't get all overly emotional. It's a checklist. Did you do it? Where are you? Yep. You did it. Okay. Yep. You have something to clean up. Okay. Clean it up. Do better. Ask God for forgiveness. Um, you know, and I love it. It's, it's, we don't drift into worry, remorse, or morbid reflection. I'm not going to get an A plus on my day, right? Because I'm human. I've got, I'm a human being. I've got a lot of lessons to learn, right? So I'm not getting an A plus today. No A's given out in this class today, but am I living? I am living, right? And so I don't drift into worry, you know, remorse or morbid reflection. Why not? Why can't I do that? Because it won't make me useful to other people. That's it. It's like we, in the beginning, we get in this program, you get your marching orders, you get your assignment. You, you're like told, okay, now your life is no, step three, right? Your life is no longer about you anymore. Now your life is about other people. Now your life is about fulfilling the role God assigns you. God's in charge. He gives you what you're supposed to do and you do it. And so if I drift into morbid, you know, reflection and worry, and I feel horrible about myself, I can't help anybody right? I've got to, I've got to be positive. And um, so when I make mistakes, I ask for God's forgiveness. I ask what else I can do to make it better. What, what corrective measures? Um, and I genuinely ask God to help me be the best version of Melissa, right? God, just help me be the best me I can be. Um, if I'm filled with resentment or fear, I ask God to comfort me, right? I ask God, show me what I can do to improve, give me some comfort. This is very different than me complaining to God and telling him how he should do better, right? I don't go to God and tell him what he screwed up on today. Um, I'm asking God how I can do better. And um, for this, for the, I, I, you know, to really get into the nuts and bolts of the inventory process, um, I share my inventories with people. For me, I, I, I need, um, I need the discipline. I need, I need to know that there's other people um, at the end of the day who are going to receive this because um, 
because I'm an addict and maybe today I'm doing it because I want a close relationship with God. And maybe tomorrow I don't feel like doing it very much. And this isn't a program about what I feel like doing. I do the things because it's necessary. So um, I share my inventories with people. I have trusted friends and fellows in the program. I have a sponsor, right? I'll often share my nightly review with sponsees, especially when they get up to this step, because I think it's a great teaching tool. I think it's a great way to show someone how we, and they're like, you still do it every day? Yes, I still do it every day. And they also get a chance to see like, wow, she makes a crap load of mistakes. <laughs> she really screwed up today. And um, yeah, that that's, I need humility too, because I, you know, because I'm an egomaniac with a superior, you know, with an inferiority complex. So I either think I'm super great, there's nothing wrong with me, or I feel horrible and I need to convince you there's nothing wrong with me. So I need relationships that are based in reality, humility. And, you know, humility is a firm understanding of who I am right? And where I need to improve and a complete willingness to improve, right? That's really what it means to be humble. Um, and, you know, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes all the time. And, but I'm still living without the need to soothe my hurts and my pain and my imperfections with food, right? This review is so that I go to the right source to soothe me. Um, and um, yeah, and I just, um, I find that when I go to bed that way, I sleep amazing um, and I wake up and I know we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> I wake up, I'm right back to me again. Boom, there I go. My eyes open, I go to bed, I sleep like a baby. I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I've got a million things to do. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And we've got direction for that. <laughs> Yeah. So then let's take it to the morning. Let's take it to the morning piece of step 11. Jen, why don't you go ahead and then we'll, we'll pass it back over. Okay. You want to hear my song? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, no, no, no. My daughter, she's just really cute. So my big thing in the morning is I wake up in the morning and I drop. <laughs> do you guys remember the TikTok? I wake up in the morning and I pop. I do a little dab. You know, she would sing that and it just stuck to me. And so every single morning I wake up in the morning and I drop. I drop to my knees. It's that easy. I, I heard this guy in Colorado, his name's Mike K. Um, and he would say it's okay to use his name. He's the one that told me to do that. He goes, we don't pee first, darling. We go to the bathroom second. God gets the first fruits of our day. And I was like, okay, okay. I mean, like he scared me into prayer meditation first thing during the day. I'm so glad he did because now I drop to my knees. You know, I wake up, my eyes are open. Um, I take steps one, two, and three every day. Um, oh Lord, I am powerless over this life and this world around me. This too has become unmanageable. This too, I turn over to the oh Lord, um, because only you can restore me to sanity. And that's what I do. And then I say the third step prayer. And then I slide out and I pull back my covers because I'm an addict and I like things neat and tidy, right? And I like to get it all good. And I get on my knees and I just say this. I say, good morning, Lord. And I smile 
and the smile comes from my face and I can feel the joy in my body at 4 a.m. I know you're thinking I'm freaking crazy, but like Melissa and I always say, the people who are working this program, who you hear are recovered and are doing so happily are up at the crack. Oh, Dawn, people like it's a reality. Want to take a poll? We can. It's true. And that's what I work on with my sponsees on. I'm like, it's called a plan of action. Get your ass out of bed in the morning, go to bed at a reasonable hour, pray and meditate, eat your meals at a certain time. It's a discipline. That's what I've been taught in this program. That's what this step teaches me. We'll get there at the end. And then I pray and I pray the set aside prayer. And then after that, again, this stuff in this book is written on my heart, right? I know that upon awakening, before I begin my day, what am I going to do? I'm going to divorce myself from self-pity, dishonest, and self-seeking motives, right? And when I get crazy throughout the day, I'm going to pause, right? I'm going to pause and do what? Ask God for an intuitive thought or a decision because I don't know what to do. I got to pause and go inside because the outside is how I want to look and how I want to behave so that you all will like me, but the inside and the inner voice in me today, that's the spirit of God. That's divinity. That's much better than what Jen wants to do. And then I continue to keep praying. And then I end with kind of like a seven step prayer rendition. I don't know. That's kind of how it's working, but you know, I just say, God help me to be a maximum um, benefit or maximum service to those around me today. And then sometimes I'll throw in, like, if um, I have a friend who's hurting or a family member who's sick or somebody that I know in there, and I say, I know God that they can't pray for themselves. So I'm just, I'm just asking you on their behalf, right? Cause I figure I can do that. I can't pray for me, but I can pray for them, right? I'm getting outside of myself and praying for others. And probably they're praying for me too. <laughs> That's kind of how it works. Um, and then, you know, I just say, amen. And I get up from my knees and I, and I approach the shower. Why? Because I have learned in this program that if I try and meditate at right afterwards, I will fall back asleep. I've just learned that. So I take a shower and then when I'm done showering, you know, sometimes I put my feet up the wall. I know y'all are going to think it's crazy, but it's just how I surrender to God. I learned this feet up the wall pose and I lay on my back and my hands are out to the side, kind of like Jesus on a cross. If you want to think of it that way. And my eyes are closed. I can't run. I can't hide. I'm right there. My palms are up to the the sky like this. I am like surrendered. I'm surrendered to you, God. It's a sacred place and a sacred space for me. And whether it's birds chirping in the background, like right now, because the windows are open and all the little birdies are coming out here, it's beautiful. Or sometimes I put on just water trickling in the background. I don't care what it is. It just takes me to that place. You know, and, and it's happened over a period of time. It didn't always turn out like this. I did some where people were talking at me. That drove me crazy. Um, I did chakra meditation. I tried that for a while. I've tried a whole bunch of different things. And eventually I just sat still. Be still. I do enough doing during the day. God says, be still and give me you this morning, Jennifer Marie. And I do it. And when I'm in that sacred place, in that sacred space, I'm just going to tell you that, yeah, shit comes into my head, the to-do list, the thing of yesterday, the person who's hurting, you know, the sponsee that I know that's struggling, whatever it may be, that all comes into my head. And what my sponsor has taught me to do is just continue to chant, thy will not mine be done, thy will not mine be done. And I say that internally, why? Because there's nothing more I can pray. There's nothing more I can say. 
I can't convince the spirit of what is needed on this planet. I'm not that powerful. I'm not God. But what I can do is I can say, I'm open to whatever you would have me be, do and say today, God, show me what that's going to be. And the hands of God swoop me up into this beautiful little God boat. And they take me down the stream of unconsciousness. And I'm saying, thy will not mine be done. Thy will not mine be done. Thy will not mine be done. And I disappear into the grace and the love and the mercy and the abyss of God. It's four years in the making. I don't know how I got here. It's just what I do today, but it's beautiful. And there have been instances I'll just share with you when I was struggling, my son was in drug addiction. He was smoking marijuana. I thought I'm losing my straight A perfect child, right? My firstborn. And I came home and I prayed and I meditated and I just, I mean, two o'clock in the afternoon, people, it doesn't have to be in the morning. You can do it at 2 PM. You can do it at noon. You can do it wherever. I highly suggest in the morning, it will make your day a little bit smoother. And I'm in that boat with God. And I was scared to death. What is going to happen? God, you stand behind me in that picture. You saw that cross. God stands behind me. He is the compass, right? He gives me the direction. That's what I'm getting from him. And you know what God does? He puts the kids in the boat with me. I don't make that shit up. That's real. That's God. That's a meditation. Now, does that happen to me every day? No, it doesn't. Just going to say, those are those divine experiences with divinity that I am just like, I'm okay to say it happens every once in a while, but when it does, I know it's God and I know he's there. And I say, thank you. And the tears just run down my face and hit the carpet, right? Thank God. Thank you, God, for everything that you to do today. I say all glory be to thee, O Lord, because there is nothing more glorious than the hand of God that guides and directs me in that morning meditation. And on the days that I don't do it, guess what, people? I'm not perfect. I pay for it. And sometimes I'm in my car. Lord have mercy. I'm in the parking lot doing it. I will call one of you. I will do upon awakening. I will pray with somebody. Um, or I will just put on my earbuds as I'm walking down to work and say, please, God, as I walk through the threshold of this door, give me the courage to sustain and do your work today. Allow me to be of service to you and your kids. That's how I act today. And let me tell you, I used to be a really selfish, self-seeking, righteous, um, mommy monster, crazy woman. Like that's who I used to be. I am not that person today, 100% of the time. I am not perfect. I have not arrived, but I do my best. And that's just, that's how I start my day. And, and let me just tell you, like my prayers are, again, I don't have a prayer except for this one. It's really short. I'm going to, are you guys ready to write it down? Cause it's really important. And if you're taking notes, you need to hear it. Okay. Thy will not mine be done. That's it. The will of God much better than mine. I can't negotiate. I can't sit there and tell God what to do. I tried it for 40 some years, but when God removes the ability for me to stop sticking my finger down my throat overnight, I never threw up again after the parking lot that I binged in when I never binge again. When I never compulsively exercise, I've not stuck myself with needles or put a pill down my throat. That is the power of God. And I am willing to give back to that God and surrender myself in that way, in that meditation and in that moment every single day, because I do not ever want to go back to that way of living again, ever. I don't care if you want to give me a million dollars, the hottest guy in the MBA and, you know, and the best looking freaking sports car. I don't want it. I want God. I want God. That's it. God makes life manageable. He gives me courage. 
He gives me the ability to go through the most hardships in my life. I've gone through a broken relationship this year. I have gone through drug addiction with my son. I have gone through a very hard divorce with my ex-husband coming out of that. I have almost lost my job. I have been promoted this year. Like I am telling you, God can do the most miraculous. I lost my grandparents 21 days apart from each other from Newark, New Jersey retreat to, um, to wherever that was up in there. I don't remember the name of the state, Oregon to Oregon, right from Newark to Oregon in 21 days, my grandparents, I lost them. Do you know what I gained? I gained the access to more spirit. Why? Cause I could show up. I was there with my grandmother when she died, when she took her last breath and my uncle looks at me and he goes, how do you have this divine connection? And I said, well, I plug my ass into it every single day. I try not to trip over the power cord too often. And if I do, guess what I'm doing? I'm right back to God, right back to God, plug back in my password on my computer. Thy will not mine be done. You try typing it. My coworkers go, can you have a shorter password? Absolutely not. I got to remember all the time. It's not about me. It's about God. So I know it's always about God. I say a lot of God. You can use whatever you want terminology for it. But for me, it's God. It's the easiest way to remember. It's G-O-D, not M-E. Go ahead, Melissa. See, take it away. That's awesome. And I, it's so funny because you're talking about plugging in. And I just get this. I moved to a different location. And all of a sudden, my computer's like, uh, you're going to lose power. So, <laughs> but there, look at that. We plug in and we got it. So we're all good. Um, oh gosh, you know, I'm all over the place now because it's so interesting hearing that conversation. I originally, so this idea of like, what do we do when we wake up in the morning? And one of the big changes is for me, like, right. I said, I wake up in the morning and all it's all me, 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 me. I'm a very busy woman. I got a lot to do. I got places to go, people to see, you know, and we're told we consider our plans for the day, right? Before we begin. <laughs> so it means I'm making a consideration for my plan. It is not a plan set in stone. And yep, I'm up at 4 a.m. just like Jen, because, because it's a busy full life and I don't want to lose a moment of it. And I love, I welcome discipline in my life today. So I wake up in the morning and, you know, I ask I love like, I ask God to give me strength, inspiration, and intuitive thought, right? So I think about like, you know, inspiration. It's like, I ask God to just give me that, give me the thought that I know is not mine, right? Just send it to me. And then, and I also ask for intuition, like that thought that, feels like it's mine, feels like it came right from here. Like I know, like it's in my DNA now. I need both. I need the God intuition, like the inspiration to come at me. And I need that, that intuition that comes through me. And I get that by considering my plans for the day. Like, and what's my consideration? How am I going to be useful? How am I going to be helpful? How am I going to show up with as much love right? Because that's what we're supposed to bring to all things. When in doubt, people give love, right? If you're not sure which side to err on, 
err on the side that's gonna bring more love into the situation. I don't have to worry about fair. I don't have to worry about justifying, you know, seeking justice. That's someone else's job. My job is to is to pour love onto, onto things. Um, so I wake up in the morning and I have a prayer. Um, I've taken the 11th step prayer, like I reworded it. So it's the I comes from me. Um, I love, I'm a big, I'm a big writer of my prayers and I hold up my phone because I've got this like thing that I've done um, where anybody in my life that or any situation in my life that is too big for me. And basically anybody that's not me, because I could barely handle me, is too big for someone like me. So I have a prayer for them. And what I've done is um, I create, I write it, right? I write a prayer for them. And I also, I love, I love plagiarism. So I steal prayers for them. <laughs> I'll Google, by the way, if you're having a problem with anybody in your world, from your child to your mother-in-law, to your job, to, to the country, <laughs> Google it and ask, see if there's a prayer for it. There is, by the way, there is. And I take those prayers and I reword it. And I, and I, I piece them together. And I've got a prayer for my kids, for each of my kids. And basically what I ask for is I ask God to give me sensitivity for those people. I ask God to, to, give, them, to give them my nurturing, my protection, my care, and my guidance. I come to God, you know, and I ask him to open my heart to the heart of anybody in my world that's disturbing me, right? I say, God, like open up my heart to the heart of my daughter, open up my heart to, to, to my employer, open up my heart to my mother, anybody, and give me insight into the reality of the world they live in. Help me consider it from their perspective, right? So that now I'm losing me, but I'm asking for God to show me what they need from me. And then I submit myself to God. I say, I submit myself to you, embracing faith, hope, and love for the assignment of being a parent to this child, being a daughter to this mother, being a teacher to, to these students, whatever it is. But I, I, I truly believe that God gave me these assignments. And if God gave me these assignments, and they feel too heavy for me, then I ask him to give me access to the resources so that I can that I can do the work that he wants me to do. That's my consideration of my plans for the day. I have a prayer for everybody. I have a prayer for every situation. And it starts, yep, I have like a first step prayer. You know, God, I am powerless over food. Help me see that I am a compulsive overeater. Help me have respect. For the, for the cunning, baffling, powerful nature of this disease. Um, you know, I, I, I have a prayer for, I have the set aside prayer. I go through all the 12 steps. By the way, there's a prayer for every step. Um, you can Google that too. <laughs> um, there are sites that, that have that too. And I've taken them, I've reworked them. And what I've done to make it super accessible for me is I have them written out and then I took them and I recorded them on the voice memo option on my phone. Um, 
I have a seven step prayer. I mean, I've got a prayer for everything. And, um, and I press play and I pray it and I listen to it. And I, sometimes I do like three modalities because I'm a teacher and I know the more entry points, the more, the more able you are to actually learn. So if I can take it in visually by reading it, super. If I can take it in auditorily by listening to it, great. If I say it along, now I'm, now I'm reciting it, there's another way. So the more entry points, the more, the more it like seeps in, into me. Um, so I start my, my day that way. I have a prayer. Recently, my prayer has been um, for my mom because, um, you know, it's, it's, I get, I feel sometimes I'm getting a little impatient with her, although she might not know it because I can fake it. I can feel it. I can feel it's hard when you're dealing with someone who's, who's, who's having early dementia. So there's a, it's not clear right? I want to know. I want her to, because sometimes she shows up so perfect, seemingly. And other times she's not, and I can feel myself getting uncomfortable. So I have a prayer to like, God, please help me accept exactly the situation as it is. Help me see what I need to see today. Help me understand that perhaps there's gaps in my mother's brain right now. And that and that give me the confidence to respect her, to love her, you know, to, um, to not treat her like a child. She's my mother. She's 85. She's my mother. I can't treat her um, like a child who has to be told what to do. Um, and so I ask God to give me the wisdom to know when to step in and give her support and when to step in and just be her daughter, right? Because I need God for that. I don't know all the answers. Um, you know, like, like Jen was saying, I find God in my desperation. I found God. God made himself abundantly known to me. Like, like Jen said, you know, when she was praying for her son, there was a day that I was following an ambulance. My daughter was being taken to the hospital. And it was a day, it was like, I felt like it was 120 degrees out that day in New York. It was an August sticky day. It felt like the gates of hell were like, were rattling on me that day. And um, I could barely breathe. And I went to the emergency room. By the way, I prayed and meditated that morning, knowing I was taken to the emergency room, but I knew I needed, I needed a connection before I got there. I went to the emergency room that day after praying and meditating and a cooler packed with enough food for the day. Because I also knew that I was gonna need to eat. And that might look selfish to an outsider. Like, wait a second, you went to the ambulance with food in your cooler? You bet you I did. I also brushed my teeth that morning and nobody thought I was selfish. I also put on a bra that morning and socks and shoes and nobody thought that was selfish. And that's the way I had to look at my food, right? So I, those are the things I had to do for me. And I went to the hospital and it turns out she was needing to be brought to another, you know, she was gonna have to be brought to a facility. We walked outside, she was going in the ambulance and I was following in my car and the sky opened up. 
like I'm talking serious downpour, like shh, and lightning. <laughs> it's like you couldn't write this crap. It was so true, lightning flashing all around me. And I'm driving behind this ambulance. My husband's at home with my son because we didn't want to bring him there for this. I'm alone, right? I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone, but I, I was alone for the moment in the car. And I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't even see. It was raining so hard. Lightning like would shake the car. And I cried out, I really did. I cried out to God in that moment. I hate your plan. I hate this plan, but I trust your plan. I don't know where that came out of my mouth. And, and when I cried out, I hate this plan, I like heard God quietly say, I know you do. And that like, God finds us in those moments. You know, I, I know that God was there in the car with me. I know God was there in the car with me. I followed that ambulance. I showed up that day for my daughter. She's okay today, by the way. <laughs> she's a pain in the ass, but she's okay today. Um, and, um, and you know what? Life gave me other problems, but this connection with God is real. It is the real deal. I meditate every morning. I love my meditation. I love it. It feels, it's like, oh, it feels so good. And I do it in all different ways. I love to be outside in nature. When, when it's warm out, I'm outside of my garden. Um, I also love to meditate with my shoes off, my bare feet on the floor, because I could feel, I feel it through the earth. I could just feel God through the earth. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you so much. Thank you for um, that beautiful piece. And I do want to have time for Q&A. Um, there's one question I would like to hear from both of you, though, um, if, and apologies for asking a big question and then asking you to be brief. Um, I'm going to preface it with a comment. Jen talked about a cross behind her in one of her moments. And if apologies to those of you who might be listening live or later, but Jen has a compass behind her that she referred to, and it's in a gold circle, and it looks like a halo behind her head. And in this moment, when talking about allowing God to speak through us, that imagery um, is beautiful. And I wanted to comment on it as a preface to this next question. Your an individual's conception of God might be rooted in a religion that another person cannot connect to. When you are working with others, when you are sponsoring, especially when it comes to this language of prayer and meditation, how, um, how do you, how do you sponsor someone that has a different concept, whether it's a different concept you spoke about there can only be one God. Other people might have a polytheistic view. Other people might be an atheist. This program for work for all of us, how do you translate your personal conception when working with others, especially considering instructing them on prayer meditation? Thank you. I don't know that I, I, I ask them or think of, I don't, I don't even think I, I don't, I just let the book and I'm just going to be really honest. I just let, I let the God of this universe, the divine inspiration that wakes me up in the morning, that makes the breeze breezy, that makes the sun shiny, 
um, you know, that makes the water ripple. I just, I allow God and I allow the words on the pages to just transform the person's, the person's heart. I like, I don't know. I can't convince anybody. I'm not here to tell anybody. That's what, that's one thing that I love about Overeaters Anonymous. When I walked in, you guys weren't all Jesus freaks. Cause I had been around the Jesus freaks for my whole life, you know? And for the first time you're like your own conception. I don't know what anybody's conception is. I don't even know how I got to the conception that I have today is the divine God, you know, this divine, um, sacred creation creator. Um, I don't know how I even got to that. You know, it's just been a journey. I just ask people to be open and willing, uh, to just experience whatever it may be. And like, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't, I don't ever tell people what to do or what to say. I just keep, just keep listening. Just keep showing up. Um, but I know that there has to be something out there when, when I take someone through step two, or I'm, I'm usually not even taking someone step through, but when we're considering step two and we're, we're looking at step two, I have my sponsees look at all the way that they see a, a spirit or a God or something bigger than themselves. How do you know? I just said it, the air you breathe, the water that ripples, the, the insect, the mouse, the deer, the, whatever, the rainbow that appears in the sky on a rainy day. Come on people. Like how divine is that? And, and how does that come about? Like, I can't make that happen. There's something out there bigger than me. And I don't care what people call it. I don't care what you believe in. Like everybody always says, believe in the clock on the wall, the, the light switch, the, whatever you want to believe in. And you watch, watch the transformational process happen in the people that you sponsorship. I have no monopoly on this program. I have no monopoly on God or how people find God. All I know, it is just my job. I hold the lantern. I hold the flashlight. We keep reading these pages. And if it sinks in and it sinks from their head to their heart and it transforms them into finding something bigger than themselves. Awesome. Cause that's what you need. That's what I needed. And if it doesn't, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just being used by God. I am not God. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, I would say like, I love, look at the spiritual experience, right? In, on, in the appendix, page 570. This is really what I say to people. There's a principle, which is a bar, right? Against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. So I tell people, okay, it says this will keep you in everlasting ignorance. If you're contempt for investigating, we don't wanna live in everlasting ignorance. We want the opposite. So what I say to some, first of all, my, my precise religious, I never, I don't think I ever bring it up. It is, that is very, that is personal to me. We're told a God personal to me. Um, I can say lots of actions that I do to seek a relationship with that, but what it is, the actual definition of what it is, that's a God personal to me. Um, so, but it says contempt prior to investigation. So if you want a relationship with whatever it is, right, you cannot have contempt without investigating. And when I think of contempt, it means beneath my consideration before looking. So nothing should be beneath my 
consideration. That means whatever conceptions I should be open, if I'm seeking God, right? Everything should be open for me to, to at least consider it, to not close the door on it. And I say like, right from the start, like Jen said, evidence of the miraculous, anything, if you want a relationship with a power, take a pen and paper and start searching for demonstrations of the miraculous, things that you could not create and couldn't even conceive, right? Things you couldn't even dream up. And one of the things I usually share with people when they're struggling with this is I have a picture of an onion and then I'm just going to close it up with this. We had a rotting onion in my house and I, I always share this with people and we stuck it, my daughter and I, we stuck it first in water because it was starting to sprout. We stuck it and it got lots of roots and then we put it in the ground and it grew a gorgeous flower. Okay. I find God in a stinky, rotting onion that makes you cry, that turns into a flower that looks like something tropical and gorgeous. I didn't create that. I couldn't even dream it, right? So with that, I will pass. Beautiful, thank you. Um, we do wanna have time to open it up to questions. So I'm gonna take this moment to pause and mention the seventh tradition. According to our seventh tradition, we are self-supporting due to our own contributions. Mid-Hudson Intergroup seventh, seventh tradition information is in the chat. If you would like to donate here or to your home intergroup, it's always good to help carry the message. Speaking of Mid-Hudson Intergroup events, I just wanna let everybody know that next weekend we are hosting a big book step study retreat. And in October, we are hosting an in-person fall fellowship and workshop weekend. Put information of that in the chat. It's all also available on our website, which is midhudsonoa.org. Also, I will wet your whistle for next month's Trudge Talk at which the topic will be staying in the center of the herd. It's going to be a very special trudge talk because it's taking place live in location, on location in Los Angeles. So um, all of the information for that is gonna go into the chat. Thank you so much. We will now open up this session to questions for our wonderful speakers here today, Jen and Melissa on the topic of prayer and meditation. You have at your disposal here two recovered people who have, um, gone through their own, as Jen said, faith walk and faith journey, and uh, would love to speak, answer your questions on that. So with that, if you will just put your questions in the chat, I can call uh, or rather raise your hands, or if you want to ask anonymously, you can put a question in the chat, but otherwise raise your hands and I will um, call on any raised hands in Order and yes, just to just to answer, yes, the uh, trudge talk will be on Zoom. Just the participants will be together. It will still be on Zoom, um, and uh, all the other information is in the chat. Do we have any questions for our panelists? Uh, I have a question in the chat. Can you go, um, Melissa? Can you go through one of your sample eleven steps? Yeah, I do it right. I do it right from right from the book too. I mean, I like I like the app because I'm I'm like you know like my phone. Um, I basically go right through it, like right through the directions. You know, um, 
it's right there in the page. It's, um, and sometimes I have to say, um, I find, I do recap often. So I know some people say, well, if I did attend throughout the day, I'll just answer no. Was I resentful? No, very rarely. I'm almost always resentful. <laughs> I mean, not, not, not nearly as what it once was. Right. And I can, I can even comment on that. Um, but I, I go through it, you know, was I, was I, oh, someone asked what app am I referring to? I believe, I don't know if it's, if it's approved. Is it okay to, uh, okay, good deal. So it's, um, my OA toolkit app. And um, it's just a great little resource. I love it um, because I can do I can do my nightly review. I can do a spot check inventory, and it can even like let you text it to other people. <laughs> um, and I basically just follow it. I do it, and I follow like I follow the directions precisely as um, as it's laid out. Thanks. Thank you. Um... Uh, Rick J, I see your hand is raised. Would you like to ask your question? Hey, uh, Amy, thank you. And uh, thanks so much, Melissa and Jen. I, I love love this step. And this has been a journey for uh, true transformation for me. And, and I need all the help I can get. And I'm, you know, the more and more I, I keep on the path to spiritual recovery, the more I see that it's the spiritual actions that I take um, that are going to lead me into this transformation. Uh, and, and the one thing though, that I'm always fascinated with, and we didn't really get, um, to get to today too much, but, you know, I know that we do step tens throughout the day, you know, but what I love to hear more about is people's experience with pausing and, you know, do you, and this is for each of you, um, do you find that if you're pausing throughout the day, if you're asking for a new idea, um, you know, taking this, you know, this, this first thought, you know, because um, my first thought is is pretty crazy, uh, and it's it's an old idea, and and if I can pause between my first thought and my second thought and my first action, then you know things work out so much better. But I don't always do this. This usually in my nightly review, I'm like, oh, oh man, I I did not pause at all today, and I just wanted to hear your um, experience with with uh, what pausing looks like uh, for you. So I'll tell you, I've, I have like, I have a couple of pause places, right? One is I've got a rocking chair in my classroom and um, because I can get like crazy at work, right? Work is like the best place to get crazy. And I'll, and I'll put my butt down in that rocking chair and I just rock for a minute and, you know, and I pray, I mean, I had kids, few years ago, I had this class that was horrible. And I would find myself sitting in the rocking chair going like this. And, and the kids were like, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's what pausing sometimes looks like. It's like stopping. It's, it's putting myself in a, in a, in a um, position. Usually I have to stop moving. I have to stop, like that's pause, right? I have to stop moving. The other day I had to pause. I went to walk into a colleague's room to tell her about something that was wrong in the building. It was not like I had nothing. It was, that was just causing problem. And I'm walking and then my feet stopped 
and I walked right back to my classroom. I was like, mm, not going there today. That's what pausing looks like, right? It's sometimes it's like I'm halfway in the action and then I do the right about face and I sit myself down. Yeah. And I pray. <laughs> That's good. Pause, 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 pause. That's my East Coast accent. There you go. Pause. <laughs> oh boy. I don't even know. I never knew what pause was until we got to this part of the big book. And I heard it in 2017 in Estes Park, the YMCA. And this girl told about a story where she paused and I was like, okay, I guess it works. I'll try it. And I went back to my work and I remember, um, you know, just having to take that deep breath when my heart starts beating rapidly um, and I start to like, I start to burn up on the inside, you know, that's where I know I need to pause, especially I work is my biggest trigger for me. Um, and so I just basically, um, it depends on what we're doing. Like if I'm on a zoom meeting and I'm having, like I was this week, I literally am looking past the zoom screen to the bulletin board directly behind it. And I am literally just, um, saying out loud to the bulletin board, which is God, I am saying I am powerless over this coworker. It is becoming unmanageable. Only you, God, can restore me to sanity. And I am turning her over to you right now. And I literally put her on a silver platter. I put her on this conveyor belt and I let her go into the light and to love of God. That's how I pause. Now, do I have to come back and look at that? Yeah, because I'm sure like I'm pissed off. I'm resentful. I rolled my eyes. Um, it's a resentment, right? She's done me wrong. I'm pissed off. Something she's not doing is not part of what I wanted. And so I have to take a look at myself. So it usually requires a 10 step um, after that. But um, for the most part, like last night, I'll just uh, share briefly with my kids. You know, um, I just got back from California and they showed me how to make potatoes in the air fryer. I feel like I'm the queen of the air fryer last night. And so I got the little potatoes out because we're having steak and I'm making tri-tip with potatoes and broccoli for my family, the whole nine yards. It's going to be great. My parents are coming over and my kids, they go, what are we having? And I go, potatoes. They're not mashed. Okay. And so I just said, nope, they're not. And I allowed my 19 year old to drive to the store and get his own mashed potatoes. And it doesn't even bother me. I didn't even have to do a one, two, and three in that instance. I just get to pause and say, that's what he wants. He's got car keys, go at it. He even paid for them. I didn't have to. Pause is huge. Use the pause, the power of the pause. There you go. Beautiful, thank you. Um, Lynn Renee, I see your hand is raised. Would you like to ask your question? Yes, hi guys. Um... Yeah, I've been in the in the rooms for seven years, and and for the first five years, that's the only thing I was I was ready to read as a part of awakening. I wasn't even reading the nighttime thing, and um, I was wondering because you know when you practice it, you become good, and it's like not of as as a struggle. And like on page eighty seven, when it says a. Uh, being still inexperienced had and having just made a conscious contact with God, it's, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired all the time. What do you think, like the routine and how did you start wanting to do this? And how, I don't know if my question is, uh, is clear, but you know, when you start this, cause now I'm in a three month um, uh, relapse, sorry, I'm looking for my English words here. And um so I'm wondering, I don't know how to reconnect. And I'm trying to remember at the beginning how I did it. So I'm like just trying to figure out how did you just start 
you probably didn't start where you're at now, right? You started somewhere, but how do we just start? So I don't know if it makes sense as a question, but that's what I've got. Yeah, so you mentioned being in relapse. So first, I mean, um, there's no nice, oh, there's a nice way to say it. First, you have to put the food down. I have no chance in starting. I can't, you know, the, if, if I have this disease, right? I have this disease. What it means is that food becomes paramount. It becomes the God. It crowds out my ability to, to make any headway into a connection. So truthfully, the first thing I had to do was to put down food, right? That's really where it starts and follow directions because you're right. You're not gonna feel that connection. That's our problem is that we have an inability to connect with, with divine power, to know how to live because food is, is our master. So it's like, first we have to put the food down. And, and I should ask, is the, is the food down? Are you living you know, at, in abstinence right now and seeking? Oh yeah, I have a new, I, I'm just doing yes ma'am now. It's been a week there and I'm like, oh my God. And, and it's really hard because I had it before and it's gone. And it's making me crazy because I knew what to do. And the food just took my brain away. It's so strange. Yeah. It's really strange. So, yeah, now I have a vision for you, um, sponsor. And I'm doing everything. She Like, I made my list of food yesterday. And I'm like, oh, go out. Where is she bringing? And I know I'm going on a, a hard path here. I know it. And I'm so scared of the good result. That is so strange, too. Like we're going to the same result that you guys have and we want all of that, but we're so afraid that we don't want to go. That is such a cuckoo mind for me. But yeah, it's just to like, like even if the food is not all down, like there's a lot that has been going down, but it's like the little things at the beginning. Like how do you stay in connection? I, I'm going to jump in because you said even if the food's not all that, it's got to be all down. It's got to be all down, right? And that's like... There's, there's this parent, you know, we're told like our roots will grasp new soil, right? We talk about like, Jen was saying when she was sharing, she said like, she's, she's grounded in this, her roots are in this soil, right? This relationship. You've got to get out of the old polluted soil, right? You got to, you're, you're, think about transplanting this plant of you pull you out of your old soil, shake those roots off, get that other crap out of you so that you're free to be replanted in new soil, right? And you're in a vulnerable spot because you're in that period of time when you're shaking off the old soil and, and this plant is like, what the heck am I gonna hold on to? If I don't have the food and I don't have God, what am I gonna hold on to? And that's where faith comes in. And that's where the fellowship comes in. And that's where following you said, I'm saying, yes, ma'am. That's where that comes in. Your, your sponsor will help you get your roots in better soil. That's really it. Thanks. And I think too, Melissa, I'm just going to add, thanks, Lynn, for your vulnerability um, in the meeting today. This is awesome. Because the reality is, is um, you just have to do it right? I just have to get up the, in the morning. Like I remember getting up and starting to get on my knees in the morning and saying, good morning, God, 
you know, and help me set aside everything. I think I know in this book, what I've experienced with sponsorship. The first time I went through the program with the food plan, with the people, with everything, like help me God. It is, it is a desperation prayer. We've all prayed it. It's the desperation prayer. We all start out with. And even if you have to say, help me God every single day, just to get through one more day and you have to pray it in morning at noon at night, that's just what we do. And eventually is what you, what you're hearing from me today is year and another year and another year and another year of constantly doing that. And as I continue to do that with the food down in entire abstinence, working through these steps, trusting and relying on a God greater than myself with everything that comes into my life. And I mean, everything with the plants that I planted today, with the trip that I take with, with the guy that I'm speaking with, whatever it may be, I got to trust God with everything. That's when it becomes to be open. And then, and then you start, you'll be like, oh, I remember when I remember right where you were. It fucking sucks. You know, it's miserable. You tell me how this God thing's going to work. I want to see it. I want results. Why? Because we're result-driven people. That's what we want. We go to Weight Watchers. We want results. We go to a clinic. We want results. I want results. That's all I ever wanted. How about just wanting freedom, peace, sanity, serenity? That's all you're going to get in this program. It's a high price to pay to, to just release yourself to God and to whatever it may be. And it doesn't even have to be God. Just say, I don't know what you are. I don't know where you're at. I just need help today. Please help me today. Right. And you just keep picking up that phone and dialing for sanity and get on those meetings and do what you need to do. And like it is, it is. I said, yes, sir. I said, yes, sir. To that man, every single day I showed up for six months. I, I vacated my Saturdays to be sponsored. I did it. Why? Because I was dying and desperate and done. And if you are too, this will work for you. If you're not, and you're here to check boxes and cross T's and dot I's, it won't work. I sponsored those people, you know, good for you. Put the food down, embark on this journey and watch the hand of God. It's right there. It's right there in front of you. You just it. When you get out of the food fog, guess what? It'll be right there. And you will be like, yes, it's here. All these people who are recovered today can tell you that. So keep going, keep trudging. We're side by side with you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you both of you for that. Um, I have a question in the chat. Um, how long does the food have to be down before a person can work the steps? One hour, one day, one week? What do you say? Uh, well, I just going to speak from my experience. So I was the girl who, um, put the food down. I put too much food down. <laughs> I had to add things to my repertoire. Like I only ate blueberries and strawberries when I came in. I eat all sorts of fruit now, but what I will say is that for some people, um, they know that they, you know, that what they need to cut out, like they're really clear about it. Some of us are not so clear and there's going to be things that come up. Like for instance, my sponsor could eat corn chips, wait and murder. I couldn't do it, but I tried to do what he did. It didn't work for me. And eventually I called him and said, I want him for lunch. I want him for snack. And I want him for dinner. He goes, sounds like it's a problem. Put it on your abstinent list. I go, okay. So sometimes there's those things that come up, but for the most part, you can put the food down 
And you can pick a dignity of choice food plan. And if you don't know what that is, reach out to one of us. Um, there, It's not easily accessed online anymore. Um, you can pick a food plan and you can just start eating a fruit, a vegetable, and a grain and a fat every single day. It's not that hard, people. It's not rocket scientist until you can figure out a nutrition plan. But I say, you know, it takes a couple of days for you to be clear of that food fog. Well, I start on page one of the, of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So by the time we get to the Dash opinion, which I probably referenced 10 times within that period, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I don't know how long it takes for somebody. There's nothing in the book that says you have to have the food down for one day, 24 hours or two weeks. There's nothing. How about letting God just determine that? Like when it's down and you feel like you're starting to be clear and I can hear when sponsees are clear, let's dig in, let's go for it. In the meantime, you're having all other sorts of conversations. I, I, for me, I just, I ask the spirit to guide me with every person that I sponsor. Some people are ready right away. I had a guy who was eating and he wasn't eating. He'd been eating absently for six months. We better pick up the doctor's opinion tomorrow. We better start reading because you're white knuckling it where I have other sponsees who are still trying to figure out their food plan, you know, and as you're figuring it out, we're working through the preface. We're working through the forward. So I don't know if that helps, but I don't think there's any one right answer. So Yeah, I would say that um, there is no one right answer. What I what I do um, when I work with someone is there's that hospitalization period, and it's spoken about in the big, you know, in the doctor's opinion. Um, it says like a hospitalization period is, you know, a hospitalization treatment is often required for people, you know, if you're jittery or befogged. Um, and so I, I kind of take that seriously. I work with someone. Now, if you're in the hospital, right, some people go into treatment, but I'm talking about like the work between a sponsor and a sponsee. If you're in the hospitalization period, you're being cared for. You're getting direction. You're getting support. You're getting information. Um, and, and so that's what we would do together. You're getting an understanding of what abstinence is, right? You're getting, um, and I give, I usually give someone some like preliminary work, just some sort of like, let me see, are you serious? Do you really need help? Or are you just thinking this is another diet? I, I try to give them a few things. If they're able to do those things, we figure out their food and they're, and they're clear then we jump into the work and it depends on the person. Like Jen said, it really does. Some people it's like, they know precisely what they shouldn't be eating. They're real clear. We get started, give them a couple of assignments. They're, they're ready. And, and we begin, you know, quickly thereafter. Um, but I don't, I'm not a believer in go get abstinent and call me in three days. Cause I couldn't do that. And, and, um, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it alone. I needed help. I needed, I needed support and help. So thanks. Thank you. We have one hand raised. I also have an anonymous questions um, in the chat. Let's start with the raised hands. Uh, Mona, go ahead. Thank you. Hi. Well, you, Melissa and Jen and Amy, amazing, unbelievable. Thank you so much for pouring your heart out and giving me clarification into so much. You know, I just, I was thinking of maybe not asking this question because I feel like maybe, I think it was answered, but I mean, I just really didn't have trouble years and years ago with 
connecting to God, my higher power and praying and with my other program, 12 step program, but with the food thing, especially from when the pandemic started a year ago, so my feelings about God, I don't know. I mean, it kind of changed. I, I know, I mean, I know that he can be a personal God, but I just can't stop wondering, like, what the hell? Like the pandemic, people dying, the war in Israel, like people suffering everywhere in the world. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it's the age old question of the, you know, of time, but I don't know. It's just kind of hard. And I'm thinking like, as I'm asking it, maybe I'm just angry at God. Maybe I'm just angry that there's so much suffering in the world, you know, and I know I'm truly blessed and I can have that connection with him again. I know, and you do, and you're an inspiration, both of you. And it's just, I don't know, that's this kind of block, you know, with. Thank you, Mona. In the interest of time, do you want to get to the question? It's okay. No, it's all right. No, I don't, I guess that's the question. Like, how do you get over? I, I don't know. I, I'll just say this, Mona, I'm, I'm listening to you and, and that's what I try and do is, is listen. And then obviously I'm asking God for intuition and I hear a lot of whys. Um, and what I learned in this program and what I learned from, um, what I learned in this program and I learned from one of Bill W's uh, sponsees of sponsees trickle down was why is a question for idiots. And I have to say that to myself every single morning. And I say that with love and compassion. I don't get to ask why. I don't get to ask why my child was born death, stillbirth at 34 weeks. I don't get to ask why. I don't get to ask why, um, you know, there's the pandemic. I don't get to ask why. What I do know today is, is that I have a God who loves me, um, who has taken care of me, who has shown me every single step of the way in the last four years in Overeaters Anonymous, that he is sovereign over everything, everything, everything in my life. You tell me how a girl goes from throwing up and binging and restricting and 120 pounds who can sit in a healthy body weight for four years and wear the same size clothing. And I'm sick of my wardrobe, just going to say it. And this is what I'm going to say. It is all a power greater than myself. Maybe that'll give you the reason to believe. I don't know. Right. And, and like, and like this man said, um, you know, uh, David H he said, why is a question for idiots? Stop asking why and just do it. Right. It's the yes, ma'am. Not yes, but yes, but and yes, ma'am, whatever. So yeah, I don't know any other way to say it, but Thank you. Um, do you two mind if we just, there's one question in chat. I know we're over. Can we, can we take it? Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you for your service. Really just, oh, thank you so much. Okay. So here we go. The question is how long do you meditate and do you use any specific technique? So I, um, it depends on how much time I have in the day, right? Um, the meditation right now, there's been a meditation I really like, and, um, it's a 12 minute meditation. It's one in particular. And I use, like, I do all different things. Sometimes it's just silent outside, especially like when the birds are 
chirping and the weather is gorgeous. I just go outside and I just can do that. And that's like usually in the summer when I have a lot of time, I'm not in a rush, but like um, generally the, the meditation I've been using right now, it's on like one of those meditation apps. I really like it. It's like a connecting to the earth. One. I don't know. It's just speaking to me these days. It just feels good. So I do it. I do, right? I know that God wants me to feel good in meditation. It shouldn't feel like a chore because I want it to be a relationship. I want it like a relationship and a relationship should be something you enjoy being a part of. So this particular meditation that I've been doing is a 12 minute meditation. And I have to tell you, I like it so much that I'm bummed when it's done. I'm like, oh man. I, I wonder if this person has a longer one. I like what she, you know, I like, I just like her voice. I like how she guides me. Um, but, you know, next week it'll be something different or tomorrow it'll be something different. I really just let it, let it go where I feel. So thanks. And I love that we ask these questions because I think it helps. Like you have to experience different things. So you listen to what other people are doing. That's how I started, right? And um, like today for me, I put on this app because I have to have a timer. It's going to sound crazy, but the girl who couldn't sit still for one minute, um, I joke, I was joking this week because I over meditate. <laughs> and then you heard I get up at four and I have to walk out. Sometimes I go to work at six, six thirty, but I have to walk out the door at seven thirty to get my daughter to school some days. And uh, like Melissa, like right now I'm just in this space where I just want to, I just want to, and I'm sorry, this is so food related, but I just want to melt like pan, like butter into a hot pan and just disappear with the spirit. That's where I go in the morning. And so when I do that, it is like beautiful. And all I hear is this sound in the background somewhere on my phone going, um, it makes like this, um, and it's just this, this, I like the humming, the trickling, the chirping, the hum, whatever it may be. And for that, cause then I don't think of anything and nothing's like really setting me off or talking to me or doing anything, but then I just melt, I melt and I disappear and it can be kind of scary. Cause then I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't, there's like this dong at the end and I don't hear the dong. And I'm like, ding dong, you're going to be late for work. And so I just go, but let me just tell you, I'm just going to preface it by saying this. I never, I, I always have enough time to get where I need to go to do what I need to do and still talk to everybody and get my work done for the day. God makes that possible when I give him the first of my day that I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your service today, for your thoughtful, honest, and humble takes on prayer and meditation and improving our conscious contact with God as we understand God. Thank you everyone for being here today.